everything has gone wrong. We shouldn't have gone into the caves. I don't know what to do anymore. I keep looking at their entries to Mills and Elend and Tien, who gave my sister her name, and they can't help. They have answers for so many things. Why not this? They just talk about burying the dead, making teas to help people through it, but that's not right. We have to fix this. Welcome to these flimsy rituals. Joining me today is Steve Martin. Hi, I'm a 2016 Drama Desk Award winner for Outstanding Music, Steve Martin. You can find me on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Simones. You can find me on Twitter at Games. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn and you can find me at Thryn. And Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan and you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And I'm Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon, and you can follow the show at Flimsy Rituals. So yeah, it's been a little while since we've all sat down to play. So should we do like a brief recap of where everyone's at and remind ourselves? We're in a big hole. Yeah, you two were like in the mountain, exploring the subterranean p- potential routes that might be through the mountains and like the caves. Uh, you were both in, like, the dining room of, of, like, a group of people that lived there, and I think there'd just been, like, a scream from down the hall. And then Chala is outside of the caves, like, just at the outside of the caves, um, having just woken up again. Yeah, we've got lots of celebration, because the the people who are missing have now suddenly come back in a magical circumstance. Okay, and Vens. Vens has just had quite a significant story moment, I think. Yeah, um, I managed to find the Charo, and the Charo had been killed by the the Jackals. Now he's without a remnant to look after and very unhappy. <laughs> yep. So what what's happening right now, Vens? Obviously it's quite... I don't know, he's... Vens is just like, I guess distraught. You know, he's like, this is the first time that a remnant under his care has been, you know, has died or has completely gone out of his life so suddenly. And I think, obviously, Shu did his best to like try and take care of Vens, but Vens is just extremely lost and confused about what's going to happen next and. You know what's his purpose now? Does he does he need to move on? Does he need to find a remnant straight away? You know he's it's so confused. But the only thing that he's really got left at the moment is the the promise he made to the villagers of Nanut to try and help them and protect them. So I guess that's the only thing he can focus on right now. So is is Vens trying to find a new master, or is he trying to get his power back? Which is more important to him? I think that's actually quite questionable for Vince. <laughs> like, he's probably grown very accustomed to having the power and maybe enjoys that more than serving a remnant. Sure. Um, so we've got like a little bit of the emotional landscape. What's happening right now? Are you still at the shadow? No, I feel like Shu has encouraged Vince to make a move because obviously Shu's worried about his people as well and his friends. Okay, so I'm imagining, like, 
a couple of days of like you being at the shadow while it finally fades from from existence. It's probably like a montage of, you know, Shu sort of looking after you or just helping you do the things that you need to do. Um, do you know what some of those actions are? Like, how are you reacting to this? Are you still... Last time you spiked out on Mad, are you still mad? I think, yeah, I think Venz is still mad that this could happen to him and this could happen on his watch, so to speak. But, yeah, I feel like it's... There's not a lot you you can do for something so big so I think it was just maybe he spent some time there just contemplating over what happened and now it's time for him to go you know yeah it feels like a little bit to me like in my head it's a bit like when something really upsetting happens and you're still mad at the world yeah of course it's like a big loss for Venz and, and for it to be the first time it's happened in his life I can't seem like it would be like a common occurrence so you know he's he's lived the a decent life already and you know for this to happen now is a big shock to him when he thought everything was so certain yeah I guess it's 20 years of routine just taken away from him yeah for sure okay so I think there's a like we we end that montage with like shoe with everything on his back packed up ready to go and looking at you and going which, which way do you want to go <sighs> I guess if we can find the river again, we can follow it back towards the caves. So your aim is to go back? Yeah, we we need to help them. There's nothing more we can do here. Sure. Like, I, I feel like this is your best way to, like, link up with them in a fairly certain way. Um, that does mean facing whatever has entered the shower. Well, I guess that is maybe the Venz's final duty, I guess, to see what comes next. Okay. And and are you still angry as you as you like climb the side of the mountain? Yeah, hundred percent. Like, if I'm just leaving the site of the the remnant, you know, the, where the shower died, then I'm of course I'm still angry. <laughs> okay, and and I think like as I described before in like the last episode, the snowstorm is everywhere now. I feel like the entire shower bar, like maybe a few little pockets, is is wrapped up in this storm. And I feel like you maybe feel this more than most people would just because of your emotional state. But alongside the storm, like there's a feeling of like recklessness around the place. I feel like every remnant has some emotions like ascribed to it or like some some concepts ascribed to it. And to you, Strail feels like I, I don't know whether you get this emotion, but like when you're a little bit drunk and you're like on a night out and you're not in the happiest place and you're feeling a little bit self-destructive. Yeah, I've maybe feel like, I guess that sort of indestructible feeling you have and like, in a way of, I can do anything because it doesn't matter or... Yeah, I feel like that hits you as you go back into the storm. Like, the, the storm is whipping this up in you. Maybe Vence hasn't felt something like this before when it comes to remnants as they're usually quite... Not placid, but something along those lines. Not something so uh, aggressive or destructive. Yeah, like the remnants territories where people choose to live tend to be the ones that are like a little bit more agreeable, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Um, so, are you trying to find your way back to the people? Yeah, I think if we can find the river, then obviously that'll lead us back to Carnvesca, and we can just track back around to the caves. 
Okay. Um, so I feel like this is going to be a lead people through a dangerous situation role. So when you lead people through a dangerous situation, yourself or others roll on a 10 plus you do it on a 7 to 9 pick 2. Are you still spiking out in mad? Yes, yeah. So that's a plus 1, right? Yeah. So yeah, you can keep rolling in mad or you can roll something else at minus 2 in order to instantly leave it. That's an 8 in mad. Okay, um, on a 7 to 9 pick 2, you don't suffer harm, nothing is left behind, you don't end up in another dangerous situation. I think uh, we don't suffer harm and we don't end up in another dangerous situation. Okay. Do you have any thoughts about what could be left behind here? I don't feel like we brought much with us, like physical things, but I don't know, maybe like in a weird way, one of Venz's like principles, maybe, or something along those lines. Especially after encountering the jackals, just like a, a a little less faith in people that can do the right thing and people that think they know better than the remnants, sort of thing. Yeah, is that enough? Hmm. I I think that sort of thread is interesting. Maybe it also needs to be left behind in Chew to feel interesting as well. Like, the obvious things, some of your equipment gets left behind. But yeah, I I like the emotional angle. I feel like it definitely would have affected Chew as well. You know, seeing something that, like you said, passed his village each year and you grew up knowing about. And, you know, I guess as as a child and someone that grew up related to that, it would maybe seem impossible that a person or people could destroy that or kill that. Yeah. And maybe it's different for each of you. I was trying to work out if there's like a commonality between this. So so what gets left behind for you? I think definitely like my opinion of people that don't respect remnants has gone even further down, you know, I just like probably couldn't care less for them now. That's really interesting, because I think Shu kind of lost his respect for remnants. <laughs> like he he was already skeptical, right? He's just seen something that he thought was immutable and a god be brought down and killed. And he was already more about people over remnants anyway, I think. I feel like his blind faith in remnants to fix things rather than people's abilities to fix things has just totally gone. Like you can kill a remnant. They don't deserve any more respect than anything else does. Yeah, I think that's definitely gonna be a bit of a wedge between Venz and Shu. <laughs> I, I feel like it's the thing that feels most appropriate. Like, you, you've both experienced the same thing, and I think it's pushed you in two different directions, which I think is interesting. Uh-huh, definitely. Okay, um, so so I think you're walking back through the storm towards the caves. I don't, I don't think you're going to get there anytime soon, but you're on your way. Okay, let's go over to Belka and Briss. So, we are under under Khan Veskel, and you'd gone through the cave system and you'd met up with uh, Maddie and Kaylin. Both of them are kind of short, that uh, they wear kind of baggy clothes or like long coats with lo- lots of trinkets and, and things attached to them, but as well as like some, I guess they're like tags, like, like metal or stone tags with words scribed onto them. So Maddie was very much the, the poet, uh, but like very practical and sporty. Uh, Kaylin, I, I don't think you learned this yet, but is more of a scientist. Uh, they both have translucent skin, um, 
with something underneath that kind of reacts to their emotions. And the two that were with them uh, were Cast and Leaf. Cast uh, is a tall man uh, with like like a mustache that goes across and down. Uh, he speaks with a bit of a drawl, uh, and he he carries a gun. He he's like from what you've met so far, like quite protective. And Leaf is, I guess, like part dog with like talons and feathers instead of fur, and like a little bit of a beaked mouth, I imagine. Where we left off is you're in the room of this of this community, which is sort of their dining hall. And through this room are a bunch of tables and chairs, and each one of these chairs is suited to, to the owner. But you're kind of having a meal and a conversation in this room where there are a hundred of these chairs, but you are sat around one table and everything else is empty. And you are having a conversation with Kaylin and Maddie and Cast and Leaf about what the situation is, I think, a little bit, but also trying to convince them to come with you. Kaylin stormed off. I feel like there's a couple of moments of silence where you all kind of sat on the table, and then you hear Kaylin scream from down the corridor. What do you do? Uh, Briss instantly takes off down the, towards the, the screen um, and calls back to Callan. Callan, get my sword! <laughs> and okay, she yep. runs off. Because that's is the only sword? way she knows how to deal with, with things. Uh, Cass took, took it off us. Um, I'm just trusting that Callan can do something about that. Yeah, sure. That will either happen or it won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this is the same reaction for like Cast and and Maddie and uh, Leaf. Like they're, they're just all rushing down. I think you're in the front row. Uh, what about you, Belka? I'm I'm rushing. I'm coming to you. I, are you are you trying to be at the front or are you? I'm aiming for a healthy middle, middle <laughs> of the pack. Do you still have your knife? I know that was taken from me after the incident. Uh, I believe Briss removed it from my person. Uh, what I will bring is, I assume Belka was holding either like a fork or a spoon. So okay, cool. That's that's what they have. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So Briss, um, I'm going to address you because you're at the front, so you probably see all of this first. Sure. Yeah. I, I imagine Briss is at the front. Um, Cast is definitely like the next person behind. I think you've both got that sort of like warrior's instinct of like you you you're just quicker than everyone else at getting ready and being where you need to be. Um Cast probably has his gun alongside him. Uh Callan's probably like at the back finding the sword. So you run back through towards where you heard the scream, so this is like the direction you came from. So you run through the sports hall and then through the corridors with like lots of branches going off. And then there's the shrine room, which is the place where you came in through, uh, which is glowing through lots of plants. And I think this is where you find Kaylin. Uh, Kaylin is stood near the entrance to the shrine and is staring straight ahead um, at something in the doorway. What's going through your mind as you're running this? So, like, what's your worst fear here? Um... Briss, like, Briss isn't really equipped to deal with anything other than sort of fairly mundane threats, so she's, I guess, subconsciously hoping that it's going to be something she can punch, um, and is preparing for that situation. Uh, okay. Any, any other, anything else is going to throw her a bit, I think. Did you have any equipment on you? Uh, only, only the little stone knife that uh, Aya gave me. It's not really a, a weapon. It's it's a gift. 
Okay, um, so here's what you see. You rush into a shrine space and you can see Kaylin staring at the entrance that you came through. And it has been broken. But like, not, not the planks have been broken. It's like something has put a load of pressure onto it until it's just popped. Stood at the entranceway are some people. You can see five people, like just at the entranceway, but there are a bunch of people behind that. And the people are like, is facsimile the right word? Like facsimiles of people? Like they're, they're the shapes of people and they're all individual spi- shapes, but they seem to be forming out of the plants that are along, along the ground. The plants from outside have kind of spread into the room, like like maybe a third of the way into the room. And, and I think it's the plants mixed with that weird yellow organic matter. The plants seem to have formed upward, upwards to make the shapes of people. And they are people that look like Maddie and Kaylin. I uh, run straight up to Kaylin, put my hand on her shoulder, and go get back, back behind me. Okay, you you put yourself between between them both. Um, I feel like everyone else kind of arrives. Are you all entering the shrine? Are you all like standing where where Briss has just gone? Um, what does the room look like? So it's like a large shrine space. Um. The walls are all uh, hewn out of rock. The, the rock is kind of like a blue colour. Uh, the, the floor is floorboards, like wood. I think we said at one end there's kind of... I think we described it as like an altar-style space. Sort of space on one side with like slightly raised wooden platforms. And benches like lined out along, like in rows facing it. And there are like loads of plants lining the walls. There's a mix of like some growing out of the floors and some growing out of the walls and some growing from the ceilings. A lot of them seem to be glowing, but it's the, it's the like the moats and the dust that's going between them that seems to be glowing rather than the plants themselves. But as they join into the plants, they glow. And at the end where you came in, there's like a mass of plants, uh, that I think it feels like connected to the plants in the room but it's got like this this yellow growth mass kind of within it i think as you're as you're stood there looking at it um you like you can see it spreading along the walls it's so we can actually see it moving and and sort of expanding i think so uh but i i don't think the people are moving i think there are, there are five people just kind of stood there and, and i say stood there but like they're kind of people from the knees upwards and then from like downwards it just kind of forms into the plant mass good um everyone get back just get back along the corridor uh, <laughs> does anyone know what this is have you seen this before as she's sort of backing away and pushing kaylin behind her cast what the hell's going on like, are you turning round to ask this question? Uh, no, no. That's sort of uh, backing up away from it, um, keeping eyes locked on whatever the hell this is the whole time. Okay, I, so I feel like as you ask that question, the, the people just shoot towards you. Um, and I don't think it's like they're running. It, it's like it's like if they were stood in waves and the waves are coming towards you. Uh, what do you do? shove Kaelin back towards the uh, entrance uh, and try and run after and well making sure everyone else is in front of me and moving away from whatever this is trying to herd people away okay what are the, the other people's reactions uh, Cast is definitely like stood at the side of, of like the entrance you just came in at and he's taking pot shots with the gun that he's holding and I feel like as it hits uh, bits of the plants they just kind of fade and crumble Kaylin and Maddie run. Um, Leaf is snarling at Cast's feet. 
Uh, Belka, what are you doing? Um, I'd probably not running. This seems super interesting. <laughs> God damn it. Belka has climbed up onto the highest point of like the sort of raised altery bit for a good view of what's going on. And he's kind of uh, casually examining the plants on the walls as well. A bit of a prod with the spoon. Okay. Uh, yeah, this sounds like you're paying attention to the world around you. I'm absolutely paying attention to the world around me. Specifically with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how are you feeling right now? Well, they are running on very little sleep and are in a glowing cathedral, having just potentially actually quite upset someone, which they do probably feel bad about. And now there's lots of screaming. So I guess confused? <laughs> confused. Okay. Which I think I'm going to roll under peaceful for, because I think there's a kind of emotional detachment at this point, because Belka might have run out of capacity to process what is happening. That's fair. So, that is, that is a nine. And your peaceful is plus zero. Nice. Okay, so when you spend a moment to pay attention to what around you, roll on a ten plus, ask three, on a seven to nine, ask two, when you act on an answer given, take plus one forward. So the questions are, what's my best way out, way in, way past? How is blank vulnerable to me? Which enemy is the biggest threat? What if anything appears out of place? What's my enemy's true position? Is this going to get worse before it gets better? What is the history of blank? What superstitions exist about blank? Oh, these are all so good, and Briss is going to be so mad at me if I waste them on superstitions. <laughs> but it would be entirely appropriate. I do want to know the superstitions about the glowing underground plants. <laughs> but I guess I also want to know how they're vulnerable to me. So that seems like a good compromise of question. Okay. Uh, so what's your first question? Uh, superstition first. Okay, uh, so what superstitions exist about the plants? Yeah, I guess the connection between the cathedral and the plants and how everything down here is glowing. Okay. Um, so I feel like one of the things that exists in this underground world, I think the name I've got for it is like Elic Light, and that is what these glowing moats are. And I think for the people that live here in this temple, like the these glowing moats seem to be something if not necessarily of religious value, of spiritual value. These, like, this gives them life. Like, the stuff that is under their skin is the same stuff that is within the temple. It allows them to show emotion. I think it also probably reacts to the emotions of things around it, both animals and plants. Uh, I think one of the things that you probably get alongside those bits is, like, so one of my feelings is that it's not attached to the shadow. I think whatever exists under the earth. Like, this territory doesn't belong to a shower. I think it belongs to a different remnant. I don't, I don't have a name for it, but I feel like it's attached to the idea of, like, hibernation and slumber, which is why, like, tiredness is a thing down here, and why, like, people fell asleep straight away. I mean, also, we had been awake for, like, four straight days, but yes. Yeah. I, but I feel like walking into this temple, like, you, you're conscious, like, your subconscious went, okay, it's safe. Okay, and what's your other question? Uh, my other question is, how are the plants vulnerable to me? Like as in the, the plants that are attacking you? No, the peaceful plants, yes. No, definitely <laughs> the attacking plants I would like a vulnerability for. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so I think first of all, the plants aren't the problem. The plants aren't the bad thing here. It's it's the yellow parts of the mass that are the bad thing. They seem to be like taking over the plants that are normally peaceful and fine and like uh and corrupting them in some way. Okay, I assumed the yellow thing was also a kind of plant, but I guess this is incorrect. Uh yeah, so I think that they're not necessarily a plant. And they're not necessarily an animal either. They they are a thing that is bad. <laughs> uh I'm I'm trying to trying to think of like what is the vulnerability so I, I think there are two things um so i think you realize that the yellow thing is what was vulnerable. i think you see uh cast hit one of these and like as that yellow like mass is taken out like an entire set like one of the people just falls and like dissolves or like collapses with, with that bit gone like like they just die they wither um and i think the other part of it is I think you, you got this here, but you also got this when you fell down, like, in the last session. Is these things don't necessarily move... They don't move in a consistent way. But they're, like, sudden movements, and then it seems to be, like, they're, they're biding up energy, and then they suddenly move again. Like, like they lash out. They, they move through, like, lashing out. Okay. So their weakness is bullets. <laughs> well, Cast isn't firing bullets. He's firing, like... Something that is magical, I guess. Oh, okay. How how far away are these things from me and um, Kaylin, and how fast are they moving? So, so like, I think they like jumped forward in a wave, and like you and Kaylin just kind of rushed back to the entrance, and like they they've stopped for now. Like they reached out for you, and like they're still trying to like reach, but like they're not moving very fast at the minute. But your sense is that they will again. Belka, what are you doing over there? Get down the corridor! And, uh, sort of, barely, barely even looking behind her, just making sure everyone else is down the corridor to somewhere that they can keep moving before she even starts thinking about what to, or how to deal with this. Belka's in the sort of, at the far end of the room, away from the, the corridor. And, and if these things keep moving like that, they're gonna be trapped in a, in a corner. I'm, I'm gonna move. I'm being shouted at, which is usually a motivator. But I did climb up some stuff, so I don't know how fast this is going to be. Were you, like, literally stood on the altar? Yes. God damn it. <laughs> okay, so I, f- I feel like you're, you're climbing down when these things make their next move, and uh, everyone else is in the corridor and kind of down, and the plants just kind of, like, rush forward, so, like, the, there's a thin layer, like, blocking your way down the corridor. How sturdy are these plants? Um... I don't know. There's only one way to find out, right? Well, there is, and it's I'm going to do a <laughs> combat roll through them. <laughs> how, how does this look? Inelegant. Um, it's going to be partially an accident. They are going to fall a little bit, just at the last bit of the altar, and, and pitch forward, and then just kind of roll with the punches and turn it into a... I meant to do this. I'm going to roll through the plants. Uh, this definitely sounds like a risk. Bad idea. It sounds it like sounds a tenth like fight. both of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, are you still peaceful? Uh, no, I think the falling down, which is becoming a bit of a theme, is uh, a moment of panic, so I guess that would fall under scared. Okay. So when you tempt fate, roll on a ten plus, you do it. On a seven to nine, you do it, but there's a cost. And you rolled a ten. That's a ten. So you got plus one scared, nice. I can't believe you got away with that. <laughs> 
So, so, so you're just kind of half rolling, half stumbling through it, right? Yeah, it's, it's a fall that turns into a forward roll. Okay, so at this point, like I said, the plant of the mass has kind of got to the corridor. It's not, it's not particularly thick here. I think there's just like sort of one person stood there, uh, kind of like beckoning, uh, oh, like oh, beckoning no, I, people to join them. I don't like that at all. Like they're kind of like doing it to like Kaylin and Maddie in particular, and like this, this is what this one's doing. This is like they seem to be a little bit shorter than Kaylin and Mad- Maddie. Um, I think their features look a little bit older like they've definitely got like a lined face and you just sort of roll through like the base of it and like disrupt do you like the have you seen the sensitive plant is that what it's called oh i love those where they close all their leaves up when you touch them yes i think it's like a little bit like that action like they just sort of shrink back as like you 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 brush past the base and you just sort of like kind of stumble back in uh, and you're with the group of people uh, Briss is standing right on the other side and catches Belka as they as they roll through, and sort of uh, gives gives them a bit of a shove down uh, down the corridor, uh, still without turning around, like eyes constantly locked on these things as they're as they're moving. Um, I think you hear like Maddie say to Kaylin, "Isn't that Ullen? Isn't is that? I swear, I swear that was." And like like Cast grabs them both and just kind of like starts pulling them. Down the corridor. I'm going to lean into whichever one it was that was talking and say, spitting leaves out. No, that was plants. <laughs> <laughs> I love how delicate you are in like times of severe trauma. Okay, cool. Um, so I feel like you rush down the corridor. Um, I, in, in this moment, I think Callan hands you a sword, Briss. Like, I feel like you've got your sword back. Um, and Cast probably shouts to people, like, we need some barricades. Is anyone doing as he says? Uh, Briss has just been handed a sword, so she's going to find out if it works <laughs> um, and start swinging at whatever's cl- at whatever, whichever of them's closest. She saw them uh, sort of shrink back when uh, when Belka rolled through them, so she sort of feels like maybe she can hold them back a bit. Okay. Um, Belka, what are you doing at this time? Uh, yeah, barricade sounds like a good idea, actually. I am down to build some barricades. Okay, I feel like because uh, Maddie was the one that spoke. I think Maddie's the one that's in a bit of shock. But Kaylin uh, is helping you. Cast is probably like firing, like very carefully firing some bullets. I think it's like a very deliberate action to help Briss. While or Leaf is comforting Maddie. I think. I think Leaf is definitely like one of these dogs that is bark is worse than their bite. I'm just hoping the. Uh... Same can be said about these plants. Okay, uh, so so you're going in swinging. Hell yeah. Okay, do you want to make a use force move? Alrighty. Um, so up until now, she's been pretty scared about all of this situation, but the moment she gets the sword in hand, it's instantly familiar, instantly powerful. So I'm going to roll on powerful. That's a ten. Hell yes. So when you use force roll on a 10 plus pick 2, um, you suffer little harm, you inflict great harm, you drive back, seize hold of, or seize hold of something, or create an opportunity. Uh, what do you want to do? Uh, drive back and suffer little harm, I think. Makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, so I think you wade into combat 
what does this look like? What what is your like fighting style? Is this like you're you're just wading in with your sword, or is this more delicate? I mean, this is more like uh, machete cutting through through sort of a, a thick jungle. Like these things aren't moving, so she's aiming for things that look like they're supporting other things, try, trying to basically cause as much damage as possible before they they move again. Sure. Yeah, so you, you go forward, like, I think you're, you can be quite deliberate with what you do. Like, the, the things reach out to grab you, but I feel like it, like it's, it's such a slow pace that it's quite easy to avoid. So I don't think you take any harm while doing this. And I think the thing you find is, as you're hitting the plant matter, uh, like, that, that goes down quite easy. There's a person in front of you, and you just, you swing your sword and kind of cut them through the chest, and... Like, almost instantly, like, the entire structure of this person just kind of collapses into the mass at the floor. I think as you're doing it, and as, like, your blows are going lower as, as you're trying to hit the floor, and I think Cast is also shooting at some of, like, the yellow stuff that's there, uh, this, this wave of plants seems to just shrink back and pull back until it's basically, like, halfway out of the entrance and, like, nowhere near this corridor. And I think what you, what you notice is that, uh, as, as you get closer to the entrance, there, there are, like, bigger patches of this yellow stuff. And this that seems to be what hurts it when you hit the yellow stuff. And that seems to be the stuff that seems more dangerous. Like, it seems to lash out a lot quicker and faster as you get close to it. And there's, there are a couple of times you're nearly caught out. Um, but as it gets further into the room, like, there are only, like, thin veins and capillaries of it, like, spreading throughout it. And it seems like it overextended itself pretty quickly. Is the, is the yellow, whatever that stuff is, is that reacting to... Um, my attacks as well as casts. Uh, I think when you hit it, it damages it and it shrinks back. Um, but you chose like you don't inflict great harm. I don't. I don't think it does much. Sure. I, yeah, I think yeah. it causes it like you can cut off bits and separate bits of it. But like there's so much of it, especially nearer to the entrance, that like you're not going to be able to inflict great damage to it or like stop it in any way. It's just about you've managed to push it back. I'm gonna call back to cast uh, and and the others in fact and ask if anyone's got if, if there are any torches or if there's any fire that they can bring have we used fire against this before uh i think when when belka fell into it did we use fire i can't remember i think they had a torch with them and things seem to be trying to avoid it so i remember okay um I don't think torches are a thing that the community here would have because they've got their own light source. Um, like, I feel like you can burn this thing, but also, like, this is probably at the point where the barricade's nearly done. Uh, so Cast is probably, like, don't worry about that, get back. And I think, uh, are you getting back behind the barricade? Back to the back to the dining hall, I guess. Yeah, so I imagine, like, there's a scene as, like, you go through, like, the last bit of the barricade and then... Like, the, you know, if it was on camera, like, the last bit of wood would be put across and it would just go black. So, Charla. Hello. We left you outside the mountains, right? Yes. Outside the mountains, talking to Ayav while everyone is excited. Yeah, near the caves. Near the caves. Okay, uh, so you've just had the scene with Ayav. Um, just to set, like, the situation for you, I feel like you're definitely waking up and there is a storm. I feel like the storm is everywhere by this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I feel like the the loads of people like huddle around the carts, but there's also that group sort of huddled around the newcomers or like the the people that have returned. Alf is back with Vilta. I, I think he was having a moment like sort of tending to her. Um, what what do you think your next scene is? I was thinking of going and having a chat with Corin. Okay. Because we had a moment. And like the first or second, I guess the second episode, um, we had a moment where Corin was able to see into, I think, Vilta's dreams. Was able to like kind of was talking about things in a way I hadn't heard anyone else talk about before, and also wasn't just yelling at me. <laughs> that's that's fair. So seems like a good person to go and chat about everything with, and to make sure that they're doing all right. So, like, how are you approaching them? Are you, are you, how are you feeling, I guess, is a big one? Like, you've just been shouted at by someone you thought was your friend? Angry. It's very, um, oh, ungrateful's not the right word. Well, it's just very annoying, because Chal has done something really cool and brought everyone back, and so I shouldn't be getting yelled at. Sure. So not like a, not feeling bad, more just angry that Iov is wrong. Sure. Okay, so let let's frame the scene. I mean, Corin's probably in like Jeddah's wagon was, and Jeddah is probably uh, with her children, Vasan and Lef, and they are probably like greeting the people that have returned. So I think one of the things that happened while you were asleep and like you saw a bit of, but you didn't see all of, was there was this vote as to what direction the community was going in. Yeah, what, what, how did that end up? I think Jeddah won that. Um, and I think Jeddah won that because of the votes of the parish. Like, I, I think it was tied otherwise. Like, people were convinced to let the parish vote, uh, and the parish swung it towards Jeddah. But, like, obviously a lot of people that lost aren't very happy that the parish got to vote. Well, it would have been very awkward if they had voted not to search for lost people when the lost people showed up. But yes, going to go talk to Corin. Yes, so I think, unless you think this is any different, um, Corin is probably sat, uh, I think he's sat on one, one of the wagon, like, cart sides, uh, probably with, like, a cup of, like, something warm, and he's just wearily watching the group of people. How are you approaching him? Hug. Are you asking, or are you doing? Uh, probably just doing, because we're friends, and so I don't think that would be an unusual experience. Okay, uh, yeah, so I think Colin, like, looks at you and goes, are you okay? I'm not certain. What happened? I, 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 I saw you collapse. I talked to the storm. It was scary. This storm? This storm. I asked for the people back. And then I off just yelled at me. How are you? How is Corin? Yeah. Hmm. Well, Corin's had, like, nearly the same day I have, except for the manipulating everyone. Yeah, and so I think one of the things that we've spoken about, like, with Briss especially, is, like, Corin isn't okay, right? Like, his, his mum's dead, and is kind of lonely. Yeah. I think the thing I'm trying to work out is like what he says to you and I feel like you've got quite an open relationship so maybe he just says it bad. I uh, just where's Briss? 
Um, I think in those caves. We'll be there soon. I'm sorry you're bad. She's meant to be the one taking care of me, and she's never there. I'm here. I'll look after you, and you're looking after me. Promise? Promise. Promise you won't leave me. Everyone keeps leaving me. Promise you won't leave me. Here. I'm going to take out my cookbook. I'm going to write a page of it. Where there's a big picture of Corin and Charla. With kind of some sort of childish pact. Like like an actual like promise. Yeah, yeah an actual promise. It's in the cookbook. Because I feel like that is the most serious promise I can make. Okay, I feel like uh, this is probably letting Corin have a bond on you. Yeah, yeah, this is probably letting Corin have a bond on me. And I feel like you've probably got one on him as well. Okay. Like, this is a two-way thing, right? Like, this yeah, is, this you're is, protecting each other. We're, we, are, we are now bonded together in childish pact of cookbooks. Okay, uh, I think you sign it. Um, I think Corin's still sort of crying a little bit. But, like, like, smiles through it. Why do they ever listen? Adults, they're, they're so bad at listening. I don't know. Corin, did the storm talk to you when we were dancing? Uh, I, I think Corin just sort of, like, there's, there's a nod. But, but, like, a kind of scared nod. Okay. Well, at least it wasn't just me. Do you think I did the right thing bringing them back? Everyone seems happy. What do you mean bringing them back? I asked the storm to bring back the ones that got lost. You did this? Mm-hmm. But Ioff just yelled at me for it, and so I don't know if it was right. You, you saved people. I know! I couldn't let them be lost. I think there's like... Like, his eyes are, like, kind of, like, widening, and there's definitely, like, an admiration there. How did you do that? I had to talk to the storm. I had to bargain with it. You spoke back? Yeah. Do you think that the adults have talked to the storm? They went through it. I don't know. I can kind of remember it talking to me, but I can't remember what it said. I, I just... I just remember it telling me to dance, and and dancing felt like the best thing. Well, I'm glad that we're all back now. I got worried when you started dancing. But now we're never, ever going to lose each other again, through dancing or anything, so everything's fine. It's a promise. Promise. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, you sit together for a bit. Um... Are you watching the people being welcomed back into the community? Yeah. Yeah. I think for most people, like, they seem to just be saying they they got lost and and they're not quite sure how, like, but they managed to to pick up the trail and and they just followed you here. They don't mention anything about, like, the storm or anything. Okay. I think because of the whole eye of thing and Corin not really remembering that Chala is going to be kind of quiet about it. Especially because now at least one person thinks it's cool. You can't like do something awesome and then have everyone go, oh wow, you did a terrible thing. 
Yeah, you, you brought all of these people back, and you get told off for it. Yeah, not fair. So now it's fine. Okay. Um, what else is happening here? Uh, like I, I feel like people are welcomed back in. I think the other thing that's happening is people are going. Like the storm's definitely picking up. Uh, so I think there's a slow movement of everything over, like the rope bridge and into the caves. At the very least, like the plan is to move everything into the entrance so that there's shelter. Cool. I think that at the moment, Chala's exhausted. So whether or not, like the speed of how we move or if we go into the cave or not, I think it's going to be not a major concern. Okay. I, I think the decision is made that like Briss, Belka, Callan, Shu, Vens all went into the caves as, as far as people can tell. Um, and they, they obviously left the signal there. Um, and I think the signal is seen as enough to be like, hey, you should come here, it's safe. Cool, that makes sense. So I think after a couple of hours of rest, the entire caravan packs up and decides to go into the caves. Awesome. Uh, where are you going in this? Are you at the, at the back, at the front? I don't know if you remember, but at the very beginning, and I don't know if this was Chala hearing about the under people or me hearing about the under people, but there was much excitement. So at the beginning, at the front. And are you trying to find the under people? Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have the pay attention to the world around you move? Probably not. I, being a child, I've got tempt fate, but I think that's about it. I feel like it might be a tempt fate. So when you try and do something that like an adult could normally do, and you can't, like tempt fate is the is the right thing here. Okay. Um. So so you're trying to like look out for signs of these people, right? Yeah. Cool. How are you feeling? Excited. It's like this is a, a proper adventure. Finally. Okay. So excited. So joyful? Is joyful. That, yeah. Okay, so tempt fate is when you tempt fate roll. On a 10 plus, you do it. On a 7 to 9, uh, the GM offers you obviously your worst outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. And you rolled a 7. I, I did roll a 7. Um, I think a worse outcome. Let's work out what this is. Um... So I think for me, the, the thing that's obvious here is, like, you can definitely find signs of the thing that you're looking for, at least an exciting thing, but it's going to put you in danger. Fine. Also, Corin is right next to me because we made the pact. Just just in case it was not clear throughout this entire this entire campaign, Corin is always right by my side. Yeah, unless, unless Briss has anything to say about that, which Briss hasn't had anything to say about that for about hey, <laughs> since episode one. <laughs> Briss, Briss really needs to have something to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far. Looking possible right now. Anyway, okay. so what happens? Yeah, I think we described this tunnel, or like cave system, as one long cave uh, kind of winding about itself, right? Um, so it's, it's quite narrow, especially in, it, in the entranceway, but it, it starts getting wider, it starts getting taller. Um, eventually you get to a point... Are you, are you, I guess you're kind of ahead of the column? Like, you've managed to sneak ahead of the adults that were in the column, maybe. And you come to a place where the cave splits. To your left is darkness. And to your right, there's just this beautiful glowing light. Um, <gasps> there seems to be some sort of 
room with lots of light in, and you can see. Imagine you can see like benches and stuff in there. I feel like I shout that I found something cool. I found a sign of the under people, and then stride into the room, wide-eyed at all of the glowingness. So, so it's definitely the same room that others were in earlier. It's definitely the shrine room. It's it's quite large, especially compared to the caves you've been in. Uh, there are there are lots of plants everywhere, like like dangling from the ceiling, growing from the floor. And all of the lights in the room seem to be like motes of lights of different colour, um, like flying around. And I feel like as you run in, um, if we were watching this, there'd be like a whoosh of... Are you still feeling joy- joyous? Yeah. Like quite bright colours just kind of like reacting around you. <gasps> how how much attention are you paying? Or is this very much you're excited? I, no, definitely paying attention because it's really cool. So I want to see all of it but while also kind of yelling my head off about how cool it is. Are you, what are you paying attention to? Hmm. Probably the plants, but kind of in that small kid runs into a room and twirls, goes into the room and twirls around, just kind of taking in everything and then kind of looking more at all the plants while also yelling a lot about how cool it is. And why isn't everyone already in this room? I'm just getting a sense of like the most dreadful Disney horror movie right now. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to think about that. That is not well. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so you're paying attention to plants. Uh, like, but I, I imagine like the two things you notice as you're kind of swirling around is it seems to be a bit overgrown in here. Like you can see that the plants are allowed to grow, but also like plants seem to have grown over half the floor. That's not good for twirling. Yeah. And some of these plants, the, the heads have kind of like, instead of glowing, have just kind of folded in on themselves and kind of decayed. Oh. Ew. That doesn't sound quite as pretty. And like you're spinning around, and as you spin around, you see um, the shape of someone that causes you to stop. And it is adult-sized. Oh, no. Uh, I, I think it's, it must be someone that you've never seen before. Uh, like, they're adult size, but, like, smaller than most of the adults from the nuts. Um, and I imagine you look up first and, like, their skin seems to be, like, strange colours. Um, it feels like they've just been put together by lots of different things. And then you look down and you see, like, their, like, their body from, like, their waist just kind of, like, flows into the floor where all the plants are. That honestly sounds terrifying. What do you do? Scream and scramble back. Okay, uh, let's cut that. Because I feel like some people might hear your scream. <sighs> so we're back over to Briss and Belka. What are your reactions? What are you doing? Uh, looking for looking for torches uh, to try and push back against this thing. Okay. So there's definitely like lots of flammable stuff. Like The entire cave system is covered in wooden planks. Like, the, the stuff that you can use. Um, so, so what's your aim right now? Is it, like, what, what are you trying to do? She's trying to fight it, trying to find weapons, something to to push back against this thing. Um, so, yeah, making torches and keeping, like, periodically going to the barricades and seeing if it's, if it's reached them yet. Okay. So is your instruction to, like, the other people to find a way out? Is that how you're dealing with this? Yeah, very much so. 
and to, to Belka to stay out of trouble. <laughs> which I'm which, sure they're doing. Yeah. Speaking of Belka, what is Belka doing? Belka has made themselves a torch. Okay. And is uh, just exploring a bit, I guess. Everyone seemed to be like leaving to look for things, so I'm going to leave to look for things. Yeah, um, Maddie is definitely upset and is kind of sat by herself. Um, I think she's in like the gathering room. No, no, she's in like the sports room uh, and she's sat by herself. Uh, Caitlin is, is helping Cast and Briss just kind of shore up the barricades. Callan looks to you, Belka, for something to do. Well, then Callan can absolutely come with me. Okay. So you leave the corridors that you're in, uh, leaving people to, like, short the barricades. Uh, are you just passing through the sports room? Not if Maddie's sat by herself on the floor looking all sad. That seems a bit harsh. Okay. Uh, so you're approaching her? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, Maddie's sat on the floor. I think she's just looking through uh, the little tabs that they have, like, attached to the uniform. Mm-hmm. Or like to not to their uniform, but to their clothes. Uh, I think she's just like looking through a few of those. She doesn't even seem to be reading them. She d- she doesn't look up as you approach. So I'm, I'm gonna sit down next to her. Okay. She still doesn't look up. I'll lean over her shoulder and see what she's not reading. Uh sure. I I, I don't think you understand the language. Um, but but they seem to just have like a few words or like a few lines of words on each one. <gasps> Haikus. Are you sec- I guess you're not sec- I don't think <laughs> I don't know if the concept of haikus is established. <laughs> no, maybe not. But are you like going, oh, poems? Um, no, actually, uh, Belka is going sh- like, to shudder a little bit, I think, looking at the things written down, point at them a bit and say, why do you d- do that? Like, I think like at the shudder, she definitely looks up. Why did you shudder? Why did you... Trap your writing. Trap my writing? I, they're called words. You write things down, and then but other you, people can experience them. You write You write names down. You write words singular so you can show other people and learn new words, but you... Mm, writing whole things, whole... And I think they're, they're a bit upset, so they struggle for a bit before they're like, <laughs> the, the, the word... The strings, the, the sentences, whole sentences written down is weak. It's life. You no, it's death. That's dead. Dead stories. Tombs for stories. No. You can't really believe that, right? You can't. Yeah, have you, yes. Have you, have you never read a book? I've read the, the scribes, but that's those, those stories are done. That's. I could have trained to be a scribe. Didn't like it very much. <laughs> Don't like writing the dead things down. I think like, she's like half, half like laughing and half like... I don't think she's quite crying, but like she's laughing, but almost reluctantly. Belka doesn't know how to react to that because they're offended, but also quite pleased. But by writing down words, that's how you share stories. Like, yes, you can talk, you can speak them out loud, but if you write them down, they don't die. But they, you set them in stone, they can't breathe there. They change every time you read them. Every time someone else reads them, every time you read them, they're, they're different. They don't die. They do. <laughs> I think, like, there's probably a moment of, like, you both just looking at each other like, this person's weird. 
Read me your dead poem. Um, okay. I, I guess I owe you one. Um, okay, uh, so this is like a work in progress. Uh, it's not finished and you wrote it down? Well, that's how, that's how you work it. Okay, um, I, I don't know whether you have this where you come from, but each of these is a line. And I guess if you wanted to say it comes alive... They, they come to life in how you tell them because you select these, but you don't know how you're going to select these. And the meaning because of the order changes each time. And I think she like kind of like like shuffles them a little bit and like lays them in front of you both on the floor and just like kind of goes like, pick some, tap some. Uh, Belka is going to tap them with the head of the spoon they are still grasping firmly uh, because they don't want to touch them with their hands. <laughs> Let's see how well this, like, actually works. Please don't judge. Like, as I say, this is a work in progress. Like, you, the sentences aren't set yet. And she flipped the first one over. A stag with a rat's frame. Take a linder from rock. And its roots latch to hands. A moment of practiced excess. Rasps sharply, then done, it yellows. Collapses into a restored moon. And she, she kind of sighs heavily and goes like, that's, it's not perfect, but you use those. And then, and then from there, you can, you can capture that version of it. Belka's been kind of frowning, but nodding appreciatively through this process and um, fiddling with a length of string they've pulled out from in their scarf, wrapping knots around it and uh, kind of spreads it out in their hands and goes, um, here, I made it be alive for you. I like it. <laughs> Are you handing some knots? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a it's yeah it's one long piece of string, and Belka sort of drapes it over both of her hands, and then pulls okay. knots in different directions and goes, "See, you can change it if you don't like it how it is." But I thought it was good. I, I think she nods and says thank you, and like like pushes uh, the cards over to you, if if you'll accept. I, I can I can teach you what the words mean and and then you can make your own. Mm. And if it helps, you could do it. You could do it with single words, like you don't have to put them in sentences. Okay, at that thought, which had not occurred to them, their eyes do light up a bit. She grabs the ones that she's put down, and like I think there's like a ring, and she attaches them to a ring that's kind of on her shoulder, and like looks at you and goes, "I'll make you some." Oh, yes. Okay. Do do. Do, and then Belka just starts off listing like words that they like. <laughs> do do sunset. Oh, do goat. Do moon. I like moon. Can you do moon? <laughs> I can do moon. Okay, so back over to uh, to Briss. Um, I, I feel like a few minutes later, um, Briss is still at the barricade, right? Um, it depends. It depends if anything's happened. Are you just like keeping a watch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to know, like, if this thing's gonna, if it's gonna follow us, because we we moved a decent distance back. So, yeah. Um, I think, like, as you're looking through it, you you see that it's kind of collapsed in on itself. So instead of like being like this kind of like quite high, with like maybe a foot high, it's just kind of spreading along the floor, and you can see these like thin yellow capillaries just kind of slowly spreading like extremely slowly spreading it's like you know over the course of like half an hour like it's slowly spreading there's like a node and it will spread out and then at some point it'll hit another plant and it'll seem to take that over and that that will become a node 
and like it seems to be searching and spreading. Okay, um, I, I think I think at some point, like after watching this, watch it kind of move and try and get the the feel for it. Um, Briss is going to call to Cast and Callan and okay. ask them to help her take the barricade, just, like move it to the point where she, so she can actually get through because she she wants to see what the fire does. She wants to see if she can actually push this stuff back. She's bored of waiting for it to come to them. Um, I feel like as, at the same time as it grows, there's definitely that same tearing that noise. Tearing, yeah. That that is definitely happening as like this thing spreads. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Callan comes back from like he stood like in halfway between like the two rooms. I feel like he comes and helps you, and like Kaylin gives you a dirty look and helps you. Would Briss notice this, <laughs> or does she just carry on? No, you know what? Yeah, I, I think it, Briss looks back when when Kaylin comes up to to help. She sees the expression on uh, on her face, and what? Just kind of looks and goes, "I just want to put the barricade up," and then starts like pulling a nail out. Well, I appreciate your help. So, have you have you as a working? Have, have you lived down here your your whole life? Yeah, I've lived here my whole life, but I, I've been outside. Yeah. Not like I've never seen daylight. Surely you must know if there's other exits. This can't be the only way out. I mean, I'd rather go out this way because we know it, but... We we were exploring the other exits when... When this happened, me and Maddie went to explore the other exits, and, and other people did too, and the way we went was blocked. There was just something across it. That was one of the main ways out that we know, and then we came back, and there was no one here, and I was hoping that they'd come back and... I know they're not now, and I know that was a stupid hope, but... It's never stupid to hope. Don't let that be the lesson you learn from this. But we send people down every way out we know. None of those came back. But they they, they might still lead out, they, they might still be safe, we might still be able to keep us. There was a way that you came in, like, maybe that's the way out. Well, that's that's through there, isn't it? So, so we're going to have to figure out how to cut through these things. Sitting behind the barricades isn't going to help us now. The only other way out I know that I can think of is the river. I think we mentioned it last episode, like there's, there is a sound of water coming from deeper in the caves and there's probably like a little bit further on from like, uh, the, like the dining gathering room. Uh, there's like the sound of water and it, you didn't go through to it. It says you're further down. There's, there's a lake and it leads out and I've heard people have gone down it before, but it's, it's definitely not a safe journey. Well, let's call it the backup plan an underground river there might not necessarily be air all the way along it so we could drown trying to follow it but but you mentioned the storm yeah well it's not really a choice i want to make but at least the storm's not going to turn us into whatever those things were and besides my kids out there i think at that like the barricades go down and you walk out yeah i i i was just i was just moving enough of the planks away so that I could kind of step over it yeah and move towards the the stuff and start poking it with the torch <laughs> I feel like you're you're a little bit further down the corridor like poking it with a torch when you hear Charla's scream so let's go back to Charla uh so Charla um you're, you're spinning around just entered the, like this fantastic room uh with like the glowing moats everywhere when this like form appears in front of you <sighs> And you said that your reaction was to, what, fall over and scream? 
I scramble back and scream, but the, since there's overgrowth like all over the ground, I assume that makes me kind of trip. So it's kind of like scrambling on hands and feet backwards, like crab walk. Okay, uh, yeah, so you scramble back and scream. Uh, like, the thing doesn't move. I think this one's waving towards you, um, and it's like doing like a come hither like sort of hands. Hell no. As you're like you're going backwards, and all of a sudden it just shoots forward towards you. And the things that reach out on its hands are just like these yellow bits that reach out from like within the bottom of the base of it. Uh, and and they shoot straight for you. What do you do? Ah. Are you just screaming, or are you going to try and stop it? Ah. Uh, I'd probably try and get out of the way. Okay. Um, it's probably a ten to fate. Yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got, okay, so there's a new move, which is uncanny potential. I was thinking I'm threatening as well. Are any of the adults in the room yet, or is it just me and Corin? I think it's just you and Corin. Um, um, well, let's use, I've never used unthreatening before. Hiding sounds like a good plan. But, like, quick hiding. Ducking behind benches. Okay. So you're, you're trying to put, like, a bench in the way and probably just make it not focus on you? Oh, no. Wait, wait. Careful. Like, you can talk. <laughs> you left. Like, to be upfront, like, what will probably happen is if, if you roll a 10 plus, it'll probably be fine. Well, because like, what I'm thinking is in this situation... With Chala, especially having immediately done a thing of always protecting and being there for Corin, would not then immediately leave Corin's side to hide behind a bench. That seems wrong? I, I guess the question is, like, is this, like, Chala hiding? Or is this Chala, like, getting out of the way for now so she can do something in a minute? So I think, like, let, let's roll and see what happens. Okay, okay. Like, I, I don't read this as, like, you abandoning Corin. I think okay, it's... Cool. And we then we roll and then we see what we do. Okay. Yeah. How are you feeling? Terrified. Cool. And you rolled an, an eleven. I rolled well. The world isn't ending. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So so these two like yellow like tendrils just kind of lash out from like within the growth, and you just sort of like roll back. Like I imagine you're already on the floor, so you just kind of like roll under like this bench and and get to the other side of it, and they just kind of like hit hit the bench and just kind of lash, latch on, but don't hit you. And you manage to stand up and just kind of get behind another couple of benches and just take stock of the room. I feel like Corin has got stuck towards the entrance and there's there's another one of these forms, like, like stood facing him and he is frozen in the corner. I think this is also the state of the place as Briss walks in. Charles, what the hell are you doing? Help. <laughs> Rush forward, grab her by the wrist, and sort of pull her back. I think like you see the way the child's looking, probably. And then, like in the second you look, like you see the thing latch towards Corin. No. I no. drop Chala, sprint as fast as I can over there, and just plunge the torch right into the middle of it. Okay. Uh, this sounds like protect another, which is one we haven't actually used yet. So, which is when you act to protect another from harm, roll on a 10 plus, you do it, and suffer little harm in their place, um, and on 7 to 9, you take the harm. Hell yes, I am actually scared now. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll scared. I seem to be bouncing backwards and forwards between scared and peaceful. Do you have a, a special thing for this? I just... 
Uh, I know there's I an option. Do. Defender, when you make a protect roll, you may spend a bond with the person you're protecting. If you do, treat the roll as if you rolled a 10 plus. Um, do I actually have a bond on, on Corin? Yeah, I'm going to spend spend a bond. <sighs> Just treat it as an instant 10. Okay, um, like, do you want to describe this? As it as it kind of reaches forward, I sprint towards it and kind of uh, grab it by the shoulder with my left hand and just plunge the torch into the middle of the the mass. I think as you do it, like you manage to spring Corin free, uh, but it also like grabs you. Uh, I, I think you take one harm. Like I think your armor largely protects you, but you're you're definitely in the middle of this, and like it, it kind of loses its humanoid form as it does this. Charla, what are you doing? You've just seen, like, Corrin spring free. Briss is in the middle of this, just torch in the middle of this plant mass, and it seems to all be burning, but, like, quite slowly. Hmm. Do you want to help, or do you want to get out of there? I want to get over to them and help. How are you planning on helping? I have a brilliant plan. Okay. Which involves magic fire. Oh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This is your uncanny potential move, right? It is. Yeah. But I haven't done anything like that before. Hmm. There's maybe the, the thing with the storm, which makes sense here, which is just spreading the fire really quickly. That makes sense. Okay, that's a thing that I would... Yeah, I think that is my plan, is to set everything on fire. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Everything. Okay, um, how are you feeling? Um, probably angry. I'm probably feeling angry. Okay. Make your roll. Okay. Please don't be bad. Oh no, I see a two. Oh no, that was bad. That's a five. That's a five. Why? I I think what happens. I think I think it works. Not not the fire bit, but like the storm bit. Like oh, like the wind I ha- bit. Have I like actually invited Strail into the mountains? Yeah, I guess in a way. But I th- I think like the immediate <laughs> thing. Like that that might be a bigger thing. But like the immediate thing is this like a sudden gust of wind. A massive gust of wind blows through, and everything that was on fire just blows out. Like the torch blows out, the the, the burning plants blow out. Uh, it doesn't sink to darkness because there's still this glowing light, but all of the flames in this room and probably further down the corridor just go out. Um, so imagine the people that were coming down the corridor who were using torches are probably left in darkness and can see the light going on. And and I think the other thing that you hear right now is. There's definitely, like, the sounds of, like, the tearing uh, coming, like, from down the corridor, like, towards the entrance. And I think there's, like, shouts. I don't think it's screams yet, but, like, there's, there's shouts coming from the corridor. 